<clears throat> it's uh, my brother uh, just got back from Palm Springs to a shock in Calgary. Yeah, well, what? It's, it's minus mine, thirty, it's, right? It's oh, minus fuck twenty. It. I did it again. Fuck. What? <laughs> he just fucking removed Left. himself. All right. What did, what did your brother do? Oh, well, he came, no, he came back from Palm Springs to, uh, what is it right now? Minus 20. Yeah, minus, it feels, feels yeah. like minus 40 in Calgary right now. Yeah. Well, that's great. Uh, Dan, can I get you to go and come back? Cause... You want some alone time? <laughs> yes, I do. Okay. Yeah, this is the second time. Oh, there he is. This is the second time he's done that. I know what you did. I know what you did. Yeah, it's something. No, it's something with this finger mouse because I'm on okay yes, and it like I hit it and it goes. So, can you clean these or anything? I guess. Um, yeah. You're talking about the trackpad. Yes. Yeah. Commonly known as the trackpad. Okay. Well, the trackpad, I was over okay and then it, yeah. I hit it and it's just weird. Anyway, what was your brother's shock? Well, first of all, can oh. you turn your camera on so we can start the fight? No, I'm going to do it without today. <sighs> Great. All right. Anything? Oh, there we go. Yeah. Finger mouse. Um, Dan was saying his brother came back from Palm Springs to a shock. And if you want to know what that shock is, stick around. <laughs> oh, man. <clears throat> I wasn't ready for that. This episode okay. of Humble and Fred. Seriously, how much more preparation? Do you, I mean, that was that was we crushed it, Dan. If you want to know what Dan's brother's shock was, stick around. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from the well-equipped Humble and Fred Studios in trendy Toronto, and from our Brampton Bark Factory basement studio. And is brought to you by Bodog, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, GoDaddy, Aaron Ventures, EVNet.ca. And Kelsey's Canada's original roadhouse since 1978. And now here are two men who every year have a contest to see who can spit further when saying Happy Hanukkah. It's Humble and Fred. Your brother uh, was in Palm Springs. My brother is still older brother Dave versus Edmonton Steve are still in uh, Dave's in Mexico where he spends most of the winter. And he brought this up in conversation, Dan, but I'll let you reveal what your brother's shock was when he returned from a warm climate. Yes, my brother uh, returned from Palm Springs to a minus 28 degree temperature, which feels like minus 40. Say that again. Minus 28 in Calgary feels like minus, minus 40. 40. Yeah. With How long was he in Palm Springs for? Uh, a couple weeks. He wants to go a month next time. Well, he's retired. Why isn't he just parking his act down there for, yeah, an extended period of time? Mm. Still, I think he's just getting used to being retired. So, and he also is, you know, after post-retirement, he's picked up a few contracts and stuff. So, <laughs> you know, like retired people do sometimes. Like you. You've, you've picked up a few contracts. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I have. Yeah, well, you yeah. have. Well, Dan, are you, yeah, are you, do you consider yourself retired yet, Dan? Not really, no. I, I'm still too young. Remember, he says that, you know, keeping in mind, he doesn't know how old he is, right? So, <laughs> he doesn't. That he's, when he says something like that, he doesn't know how old he is. Yeah. And living with him as I have the last couple of months, I, I promise you, he is a, he's a very youthful 64. Mm. He's a... Uh, it's uh, but, but, you know, being in Palm Springs, which I really enjoyed, uh, I can't say I didn't. It's just very expensive. 
And of all the places you can look at retirement opportunities, it's it's great. It's just very pricey. Yeah. Well, my brother came from the financial sector. As, uh, oh, yeah. Well, money's not an object for Brother Tom. Apparently not. <clears throat> so you're not retired yet. Uh, you still are working at... Uh, at being an actor and a voiceover artist and uh, some of yeah. the many things you do. I, I get it. Handyman. Hey, handyman. Who can take a bathroom? <laughs> handyman can. <laughs> handyman can because he sprinkles it with goo and makes the work. Taste. <laughs> this is really good. Good exposure. Handyman Thank you. makes everything he, he breaks satisfying <laughs> everything he breaks satisfying and, and delicious never wow. puts away his dishes <laughs> puts him in the sink which is close to the dr- dishwasher Ooh. oh yeah that's how, that's how you know you're living with a child mm-hmm. because he will put his dishes in the sink which is next to the dishwasher that's why I saw you're a very youthful 64 well, why that's why be, okay why would that be Dan <clears throat> uh, you know, you don't, believe in, you don't believe in dishwashers, right? No, I. Uh, <laughs> right. You believe they waste water and all that fucking bullshit, right? It's uh, I, I don't mind the dishwasher so much. I'm sure there's okay, uh, an environmental reason, but no, I mean, I uh, yeah, whatever. You know, I, I I put it in. I'm I'm pretty good at putting it's stuff okay, in dishwashers. Yeah, I didn't no. need to put you on the spot. So no, I, I you know, I, and it's a good bit and everything. You, I, I, it is, it's a good bit. <laughs> Yeah, I just think it's funny you do that. It's like it's like a did the dish the, the the sink is like a dishwasher holding area before you go into the dishwasher. But isn't that something, eh? Because I remember that. Although I think we always had a dishwasher. My kids were old enough to do the dishes, but it's just interesting how things evolve. When we were kids, we had dinner and we took turns doing the dishes, like in water, and we didn't have a dishwasher. Yeah. Right. And then somebody would dry and then wash and you would argue over that. And then <laughs> that evolved into kids bitching about having to unload the dishwasher. Oh, yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, oh, that yeah. would have been such a luxury to us as kids. Well, I've told you this. Luba and Lou didn't have a dishwasher, although we had a dishwasher that didn't work. It never worked my entire childhood. It was just there. And that's where we kept cookies. <laughs> that was on a non-working dishwasher. I, I have no idea why. Maybe Edmonton Steve can remember, but maybe when they were younger, by the time we were, because we had the same arguments. Who gets? I was. Who did? I, I never. To dry, and I was yeah. the youngest, so I always had to dry. I wasn't old enough to handle washing yet. But, uh, and I think I don't know. My dad may have got one actually installed after my mother passed away, but we had a roll around one. Where you where you you roll it from the other side of the kitchen and then like right a portable, the yeah. Those yeah. had butcher block tops, and you could yeah. use that as a chopping block. Yes, and they I collect a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff got collected on the top of that, so it made. Anyway, it, yeah. and I don't mean to put you on the spot. I told you oh. that it was funny. But I, I that a popsicle stick in the dishwasher is still one of my favorite things oh. that's happened. So I put it in the dishwasher. I mean, okay. Yeah, you did. <laughs> you see, so, he was wondering where that popsicle stick went. That's <laughs> right. I, uh, that way, I told Freddie that that was, that was pretty funny. I thought it was just really funny. Like one day, I opened the dishwasher and there's a popsicle stick in there. I'm like, uh, is he recycling those for future popsicles that he may buy? Is that a carbon footprint thing where he, he washes <laughs> one popsicle stick when he eats a popsicle? Yeah. Why? Um. But why, when the dishwasher's right there, do you not just? 
put it in the dishwasher. That's well, it. most of the time I do. In well, fact, not. I have this same complaint about people around me. Uh, you know, my girlfriend, Lisa, she likes to leave stuff in the sink till later in the day. My son always likes to go. do that. So Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, but I, uh, I like you know, fact you called her your girlfriend, Lisa. That's good. That's yeah. a no, 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 yeah. no, no. But so that bothers you, but it's okay when you do it. Is this what? Like I'm, I can't, I'm not following here. I haven't let it uh, pile up, but Howard's very particular <laughs> right now. So Howard is what particular? Yeah, very so particular. I do, He's been I do, living I'm alone. So about putting the dishes in the dishwasher. Yeah, it's a crazy quirk of mine. <laughs> We're talking one dish. <laughs> Like, hey, I know. guys, where I live, you have to rinse the dish before you put it in the dishwasher. Well, where I live, we do, too, but not, you know, I'm just looking for, I'm looking for the dishes to get the leap from the sink mm-hmm. to the dishwasher. We'll handle, we will handle rinsing later. So when Colton and Lisa does it or do it, yeah, that annoys you. Well, I, I wouldn't go as far. Yeah. Well, my son, yes, with Lisa, you know, well, whatever, I'll just do it. So I, I what is it? after all, it's her house. Yeah. <laughs> what do you say? Well, but anyway, I mean, you know, it's like, well, that's the way uh, some people have a different cycle. And I, I'm, yes, they do. I'm very accepting you know of all. And that. you're doing you know what? We, you're doing the best you can. Yes, that's exactly true. I like the I want to go back to singing the handyman. Um, okay, well, we got uh, what else was going on? Welcome back from the weekend, everybody. Hope everyone had a uh, I don't know. It's been I feel bad because if you live out west, you already hate Toronto. You already hate us out here. You're jealous of us because uh, I don't know, because you're not Toronto. And uh, then on top of that, you know, our weather is cold, but it's. You know, right now it's minus one. Over the weekend, it was around zero, minus one. You know, I could be a little warmer. I think this week it's actually getting up to uh, five degrees on Friday. Through the weekend. Oh, yeah. But Saturday and Sunday, as we get ready for the alleged birth of the baby Jesus, uh, Sunday for Christmas, we're going to get some flurries Saturday. And it might be, I don't know, Daniel, I'm hoping for your sake. That there For the is white Christmas, snow. we can well, sing this song. Snow yeah. on the ground, yes. Yeah. Well, there's snow on the ground. There's an amazing amount of snow up in Peterborough, to be honest. Where is it really? Yeah, it's like a it, over a foot fell up there. Like, because we all, I don't think we have any snow left on the ground here. Yeah, so no, there's, it's, it's much different. Well, it's above Highway Seven. What about you, Patterballs, where you live? Uh, it's not bad, you know. And I was very proud. I, I've been out of the house since Tuesday. Uh, <laughs> You're proud. <laughs> I haven't. <laughs> I'm practicing being shut in. That's no, great. true. No, he, I, got, he got sick, and I it was really down, cold last week. I came down with a little chest bug thing, um, and it it snowed on the driveway and the front porch. And I was afraid it would ice up and everything. And I was going to go out, and my Dilly said, "Don't worry about it. Just don't worry about it." And I thought, "Ah, oh, if it's ice, then it's harder to get rid of." Anyway, I get up one morning. I guess it was Thursday or maybe Friday. Well, and no, that's it's we, important. Which day was it? Um, Thursday or Friday. <laughs> that sweet little thing had gone out there and got rid of all that snow. Delise Patterson. This delicate little 66-year-old fragile flower. Fla- fragile flower had got and did a really good job. And I just thought, look what she's done for her man. Stand by your man. <laughs> 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 not only has he not been out of the house since Tuesday, we're, we're, the, going crazy. We're, the only, 
<laughs> we're the only people he ever talks to. So it's like you were surprised. It's true. <laughs> Did you? I know. I, see, I know it's true. That's why I said it's true, man. So when you mm-hmm. didn't you hear her, you know, cracking the shovel on the snow, you can hear that. You didn't. Do you want to know something, guys? There was two, three of the past five nights I've slept for like 12 to 13 hours. Yeah, I know you haven't been. Just whacked the shit out of me. I may, well, because you've got the RSM or whatever. It may be. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever it is, it's it's gone. I'm not gone. I mean, I have some lingering, but I'm fine. No, I, is it RSM that they're talking about? There? RSV, or I thought, isn't it? Or something like that? Or Daniel? Uh, I'm looking it up now. Uh, it's a respiratory illness that's going around. The flu, COVID, and this RSM or whatever. They're RSV, calling it, RSV. RSV, thank you. Yeah. The uh, trifecta, the flu-fecta, or some fecta. Yeah, because last Tuesday, I, I believe it was Tuesday, I was talking to our buddy Darren, and he's had this lingering thing for a couple of weeks, post-nasal drip, a lot of that really really getting him down. And um, I hung up that phone after the call with him and listening to his about his ailment, and I felt this thing down, you know, in your lower chest. chest. Just yeah. a little weird feeling, and then it it never really got that bad, though. I never It never hurt. There was never any soreness or... Super so comfort. Are, are you saying you picked it up over the phone? Yeah, maybe. That's, <laughs> it, well, that's, they don't tell you that, Danny, but that's transmissible, transmissible <laughs> through the phone. Yeah, tell, teletransmissible. You know where I think I, I may. Have, I don't get it from the dish you left in the uh, in the sink. I, hope right. I don't get some kind of. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Fred. What were you going to say? No, I think I may have got it because the, like I haven't been around people a lot for weeks. Honestly, I haven't, and. uh Last Tuesday, I was down on Mississauga, and I had to do a Costco run, and usually I go to Brampton, and I drive by one in Mississauga, and I thought, I'll go in there. Maybe it won't be as crowded as Brampton. Well, it was just ridiculous, this place. And it was one of those that sort of reversed, so I didn't know where all the stuff was. It was a very, very aggravating. Like the layout was different than your Costco? Yeah, just enough to fuck I get it. That can be aggravating. And anyway, I think I may have picked it up in there. And I'm an asshole. I didn't wear a mask. I, I was just going to say, I, you know what, yeah. guys? I have resumed wearing masks in grocery stores. I just have. For the sake of the half an hour I'm in there, I just figure, why not? And, uh, you know, I was at a social, somewhat social function Saturday afternoon with a bunch of people at my buddy Sean uh, Casey's place in Burlington. Burl Oak Indoor Golf, by the way. The literally the the gold standard for this kind of simulator golf experience. Anyway, a year or so ago when I would go in there, I always wore a mask in. And then when you get to your area, you take it off like a restaurant. But that's the only place I've been where people are without wearing some face covering. And I think this because I'm planning now to go away again. I was thinking about that, Freddie and Dan, that I thought, you know, I should probably be a bit more careful prior to going away. Because from what I've been able to sort of surmise now that one of the reasons this heart thing kind of sprang up is because I got COVID pretty close to when I was going to uh, Mexico. Dan, you got COVID around the same time as me. Did you not feel any lingering effects for uh, a time after? Uh, no, not really. Well, for a time, I was, uh, it was mostly being exhausted and that. Yeah, you were but, really tired. You, you definitely yeah. had lethargy. Yeah. But so after, there was the effect. So yeah, tired, you couldn't put a dish in the dishwasher. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say that, too. I said it first. I know you did. 
That's what it was. It was the lingering effects of COVID that oh, didn't allow you by, uh, the yeah. lift. By the way, did you hear what he said? Howard's being very particular right now. Is there any? Is there a more particular person on the planet? <laughs> And then friend, there's nobody. That's why I said it down the other day. I said, one of my favorite things about you is that you are so um, particular about lighting or how a thing sounds. And and uh, <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, that's, uh, we all have our little. We do. We all have our things. You know, and I, uh, I said it down. I said, if I don't clean up after myself constantly, I could just let this thing completely get out of hand. When Rachel used to come over, I said to Danny, like, you used to come over like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday or so. And I would basically spend the day before making the place Rachel ready. But now that I don't have that concern, I can just live in my own filth like a, you know, like a hoarder. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Dan, uh, on that note, Dan, last week during our uh, email segment, we received an email from uh, some guy, I forget his name, uh, the Blue Cottage on Ruba Island. Ring a bell? Yes. And yes, I, I remember that. That was the one that... Uh, Jeff was uh, going to so, buy. Yeah, and then kids uh, destroyed and made it blue as a part of their uh, restoration from the law. And I was saying, isn't that funny? That's the type of thing. Dan gets to know this guy. I don't know who he is. And then I said to Howard, you were probably paddling your canoe by his dock and saw something you didn't like. So went over to tell him, <laughs> you know, he had a, like a yellow umbrella or some, yeah. you know, he was marked a rock or something and it annoyed you. So you went over to ask him to, you know, change the, yeah. the situation. And that's maybe how you got to know him. Is that true? Yeah, that's, that's not exactly true. But yeah, we uh, we chatted from the canoe and it was oh, a okay. definite conversation. That's how it got going. And yeah. I, uh, I, of course, me being the juvenile idiot I am, uh, I just remember saying something like, did you Ruba one out? (laughs) (laughs) Wasn't your mom's name Ruba? Yes, my mom's name was Ruba. Yes. Okay. You know, that's a bit, that's a bit weird to be making that type of joke based on your mother's name. But, you know, my mom's name was Luba. Oh, Luba. I thought it was Ruba. I thought you were banned. I, th- I thought you were. Oh, no, no, no. I'm, honestly, I'm thinking Ruba. <laughs> I couldn't. Sorry. Oh, that's Anti Ruby. Okay. Yeah. Oh, I get my Lubas and Rubies mixed up. Right. Well, how is Anti Ruby, by the way? It's Ruba if you're Korean. There's an Asian joke. There's a. Uh... What's that, Daniel? How's Anti Ruby? How's Anti Ruby? Because it's like, it's the, uh, you know. An, she sent me a note the other day to wish me happy Hanukkah and uh, was concerned about your lack of ability to put dishes in the dishwasher. <laughs> Really? Really? That's very good. Because, um, you know, okay. do, do you send Hanukkah cards? As, no. as, as, I think maybe when we were younger, people did that. But I, uh, this is true. Yesterday, I had spoken to several people, several meaning a couple. And it, was, uh, it wasn't until one of my non-Jewish friends wished me happy Hanukkah. That I found out it was Hanukkah. That is the absolute truth. And once I did, of course, I wished my kids and ex-wife Randy, and I sent out a couple notes to my brothers. But it took a, it took having a conversation with a non-Jewish person to tell me it was Hanukkah. I am not very good at being Jewish, so should put it in a calendar. You got to yes, watch that tells you all kinds well, of it things. It changes now. every year. That's the difference between it, it's always around this time, but it's never exactly because of the know, the Jewish calendar. Well, the calendars, have, people have figured it out. So you probably get a little prompting there. Just look Yes, up. you're right. I should do that. Yeah. Um, okay. Listen, Dan Duran's news is all you've got to look forward to on this show today. 
But we will, between then and now, endeavor to entertain you. And, of course, our, uh, our mandate is to do that uh, the best we can. We've only got uh, Freddie uh, Monday, Tuesday. Like, this is the, well, three shows this week that'll be normal shows. And then Thursday is just a cavalcade of, you know, the greatest uh, people that contribute to our program. But also special guest Stephen Page and uh, his honorship, Mayor John Tory scheduled to appear in the uh, meantime sorry let me get to uh, another ella song i wanted to play here we go in the meantime frederick well let's talk about the retirement sherpa tim niblett at portfolio manager raymond james a member of the canadian investors protection fund well timmy will make his regular wednesday appearance and uh he'll you know he'll have some kind and gentle words mm-hmm. uh you know to end the year it, it's been somewhat of a turbulent year uh when it comes to investing and uh you know he'll probably uh, give us an outlook for uh, the year to come and uh, what his uh, perspective is on that and uh i'm sure it will be very calming and reassuring because that's the sherp and that's uh why if you need a guy he's licensed on both sides of the border and he's someone you might want to talk to he's the retired Retirement Sherpa, retirementsherpa.ca. I was going to save this story for later, but I'm sure the Sherpa knows this. Uh, hey, Trudeau haters, November is inflation in Canada down to 6.6 from 6.9. Gas prices are down. Uh, of course, in the States, the Republicans don't want to talk about any of that. But before we get to uh, some more, uh, you know, Trump content and all kind of things, I want to tell you about the different experience you get when you deal with EV net. You know, a lot of people have been asking me about driving an electric vehicle, and it's been a couple months now. I've been on the in the Tesla, had a chance to drive this SUV, as you did, Freddie, the uh, Kona. You can also check out different models, like the Nissan Leaf, the uh, Outlander, and the Bolt. But the experience at evnet.ca, that's evnet.ca, <clears throat> is completely different. You know, a lot of dealerships don't even have inventory. But at evnet.ca, you can actually get in the vehicle, rent it for a couple of days, see how the uh, experience fits your lifestyle, or even educate yourself about, you know, maybe if you're not going to buy it now, somewhere in the future, you're gonna, you at least have an idea. Any vehicle for rental is also for sale at evnet.ca. Tell them Humble and Fred sent you over there. Show a little support for the program. And uh, at least make a uh, an inquiry. Anyway, yeah, inflation's down. I don't know where you want to start. I mean, one of the most outrageous things that's happened since we all hung out three days ago, and we've been messaging back and forth about it, is the uh, digital trading cards. I'm sure most people have heard by now. Even if you're not like us, which you know we follow the whole. Trump, Republican, right-wing nonsense in the States, pretty heavily, Freddie and I. But even if you don't, somewhere in your news cycle or in your social media, you must have seen these digital trading cards. Yeah. I mean, it's just so unbelievably weak. Although it's such a, it's a very, very, very strong message. The man obviously needs money for some reason. And what's that all about? And again, a a grift of the worst kind, again, going after his mindless supporters, 
to take money from them that they probably can't afford. Like the whole thing just reeks of patheticism. Is that a word? Patheticism? Well, it should be. And by the way, I just want to pop in there. That's one of the things I wrote down. I said that to Dan last night. We're having dinner. I said, you know, the weird thing about this and how his supporters, you know, by now I'm tired of saying that the people that are being bilked of this money are the ones that can least afford it. The, the people that would spend $99 for these NFTs are, are the least able to afford it. Because anyone that knows, anyone that could afford it is too smart to buy it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, you know, silence is golden, I guess. Because it's, uh, you know, those who would step up and defend them at every, well, at every mark have been really sort of silent through this. Yeah, I'd say. I notice. Well, a few of them, like a few of the people that I follow, his acolytes on, you know, Twitter are talking about how great it was. But, you know, even they seem to Yes, a few of those. I can't remember. Oh. A couple of idiots. But well, what I was going to say is, what billionaire, what billionaire needs $4 million? And by the way, uh, in the fine print of these, it says co- quite clearly, this is not for political support. Oh, no, it's his. It's his. It's so for what, him. If you're worth a billion dollars, do you need yeah. to, for $4 million? That's what this was, basically. Because he sold out 99 Say they were $99 each, and he sold them out. He sold, I think there was a $4,000 limit of them. Do you believe that? That he sold 45000 were put on sale. Yeah, I believe it. Yeah. Um, probably the most telling thing I saw was I saw a clip of Steve Bannon talking about it, and he said, he, he said I can't do this anymore, and just started laughing. Oh, good. No, really. And I'm thinking, Steve Bannon? That greasy fucking piece of shit. He can't take it anymore. You know, the funny thing about Steve Bannon, too. I saw the clip. You know, he does that war room show. Always looks like he needs a shower. His hair is greasy. And behind him, he had taken a picture of Jesus and just sort of propped it up, like just off his one shoulder. And I'm these these people are the most disgusting but again, they know what they're doing, right? They they know who they're talking to. They know who they're trying to reach out to. And it's like, oh, don't forget the Jesus picture. Hey, fuck. Wait, we're about to go to air. Grab the Jesus picture. Put it behind me. Yeah. I, or, I, I, or, I, I, or Laura Ingraham, you'll notice often she'll just before her show, it looks like she's taken her necklace cross and she puts it on the outside of her yeah. dress. But so, there, I mean, I'm, what I'm about to say you know, you say what, what I'm about to say is going to sound like left-wing conspiracy, but I read this in several spots, and I think it bears re- repeating. Because so there was forty-five thousand that were put on sale, which is where we get the number four point five million, because they're sold for ninety-nine dollars. Okay, and there was a limit; you could only purchase each individual could only purchase a limit of one hundred which makes that 9,999. Why, why 100, you ask? Well, this is the left-wing conspiracy. And again, i just passing it on for, for you to, in case you didn't see it, or to share with the audience. So just under $10,000, because in the States, if somebody gives you under $10,000, you don't have to declare its origin. So oh. one of the theories about this is that he was doing it to launder some money or so that he didn't have to declare or th- that's where I, I mean, I, 
I was good up till then, and I don't know why. What's the big deal? But why? It, it is curious because if one of his supporters, you know, he's got lots of rich supporters. What if they all wanted to buy the whole thing? Well, you couldn't because then you'd have to declare the origin of the money. Why only a hundred per household? Seems a bit, but it just seems a bit odd that you could only buy one hundred at ninety nine dollars. Because if you bought one hundred and one, he would have to declare, or somehow the organizing organization would have to make uh, a declaration yeah i yeah you know i'm i don't know what to say like if this all isn't enough then you know in the january 6th committee today apparently is going to recommend indictments including trump and you know of course it has no teeth it's just a recommendation and yeah there still comes some question whether they have the balls to actually indict or charge him because of the fallout that could create. Well, they don't. The It's Merrick Garland. They can make all the recommendations they want, but if Merrick Garland, who's oh, the yeah. attorney general, if he doesn't do something. Uh, and apparently he just keeps coming back to the thing. It's never happened before. And the political fallout and is it worth it? And then, uh, you know, as I said to you before the show, well, then when is it worth it? And if you don't, after all we've seen, you're just telling the world that uh, the president of the United States can do whatever he wants, whenever he wants. So, you know, no precedent. Well, you know, a lot of a lot of things happen for the first yeah. time. And this yeah, is well, one that just may need to happen. <laughs> like uh, a president being impeached twice has never happened. A president... A president uh, losing the popular vote twice has never happened. A president calling the attorney general of a state asking for votes has never happened. A lot of stuff has never happened, including this. I I hope this is the audio I was trying to find. Hello, everyone. This is Donald Trump. Okay. This is Donald Trump. In case you didn't know what we're talking about. Yeah. This is him. And by the way, for two or three days prior to this, he was, you know, hinting at a major announcement. And everyone thought he was going to announce something politically, but it was this. So here's the former president telling you how great a president he was. This is Donald Trump, hopefully your favorite president of all time, better than Lincoln, better than Washington. President, favorite president of all time, better than Lincoln and Washington. You know, all Lincoln did was uh, free the slaves. With an important announcement to make. And then he goes on to talk about his uh, NFT collection. And what it is, by the way, is a series of pictures of him as an astronaut, as a cowboy, (laughs) as a uh, superhero, as a fighter pilot. They're called Trump Digital Trading Cards. These cards feature some of the really incredible artwork pertaining to... Artwork pertaining to his life, you know, as an astronaut, as a fighter pilot, as a... uh, Like, it's incredible. Is there one of his bone spurs? My life and my career, it's been very exciting. Like, how do, how these relate to his, and it's him as a superhero. Mm-hmm. Um, how does this, like, this, is there nobody in Tennessee that looks at this and says, well, that's enough for me? Well, that's it. You know, if we, prior to that announcement, if you sat down and thought, Let's think of the most outrageous things that he could actually do today. That probably wouldn't even have made it. You would have thought that was, if somebody came up with that, you'd say, no, that Ziff, that's too far out there. But then it happened. And it's, and again, you know, the silence is, is deafening from a lot of, you know, from Fox News, Newsmax, OA, and all those. They haven't touched it with a 10 foot pole. 
because they can't, because there's nothing positive they can say. So they just pretend it didn't exist. It didn't happen. Yeah, I haven't checked Fox News. You know these, they, you know these news outlets that tell the right. truth. And they're the truth tellers. They're imbalanced, yes. You, you know, know, the oath keepers. Yes, yes. So I haven't checked those sites yet. So there's nothing on Fox about their guy, Trump, selling digital trading cards. Maybe a reference in passing, but no, nothing. Well, yeah. Yeah. yeah and I'm the funny thing is, Trump, and, Trump isn't even their guy anymore. But it's like, you know, they're playing that fine line right now because they got to sit back because if he does become the presidential sort of candidate for the Republicans, I guess they got to get back on. They got to get back on the wagon. So they're being very, you know, cautious right now. Yeah, there's nothing about that. But there's the Bible verse of the day. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, By the way, whenever you're ready, I have something. uh, One of Trump's uh, big supporters just I, I'm not we, we don't have to wrap this up now, but I've got some audio of one of Trump's supporters, the pillow guy at a big rally, a big pillow rally. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny. That low life scumbag. Oh, yes, man. that guy. Like, it's just yeah, unbelievable. These the, the the collection of people that we're talking about here. Yeah, Freddie, I was going to say to a person. They are the the worst. They're all the worst people. Yeah, like they're just horrible human beings. And say what you want about CNN. Oh, they're no different than Fox. Well, they are different because, you know, they report on the things that Biden has done that aren't that they don't agree with or that are at least they report on both the the victories and the uh, failures where all Fox does is curate. Well, there's a great example. This thing came out and they didn't comment on it. Because, as we were sort of saying in our little group chat, it, it, it's almost so absurd, you you wouldn't believe it. You, it. It almost seems like, and I think Saturday Night Live did a parody of it, of course, but you'd almost seem like, okay, that's just somebody's joke. That can't really be yeah. the guy that used to run, that used to run the country. Yes. Can't be selling these trading cards based on his exciting life as an astronaut. <laughs> I know. It's like, I don't know what to say. Um, you know, to me, Steve Bannon was just a great example of where it's got to. Um, when you lose him, my goodness. But Yeah, that's a great point. When you've lost greasy Steve Bannon, because, you know, it's funny you say that. Funny, interesting. That it, he he does. He always looks like he's he's just rolled out of a three day bender, and he's wearing like a garbage coat. It looks like somebody found him in a dumpster and said, "Hey, how would you like to host right. your podcast now? Should I shower first? No, no, you're you're good, just as you are." Listen, personal hygiene is so important. If somebody, the same person, comes up to you and makes a point, and they're well groomed or you know have basic decent personal hygiene. And then that same person is Steve Bannon, who's greasy, disheveled. The person with the with the um, with the good personal hygiene, you take them more seriously. You know what I mean? Yeah, I know. You become when you see Steve Bannon, it's like, really, how can I take this guy seriously? He can't even look after his own personal hygiene. He can't wash no, his hair. Now I'm supposed to take his word as. Yeah, but on the other hand, Nick Fuentes looks well groomed, and he's a you know white supremacist Nazi. 
I know what you're saying. I'm and he saying. probably reaches more people because of it, Howard. Well, I don't know about that. But you're right. I mean, the, the funny thing about Bannon is he was, you know, although there are some pictures when he was working in the White House, I saw some of those in the last couple of days. You know, he used to dress like a guy working in the White or as an advisor to the president. But now, for some reason, this is his new persona, uh, dumpster guy. <laughs> he does. And I've seen those pictures, but even... In a suit and a tie, there's just something off. It's like, yeah. oh, fuck, somebody made me do this today. Like, it's something else. Okay, so uh, I'm just trying to find it here. So, uh, oh, I, have, I guess, I'm, by the way, before the show's over, I got to play some great audio from 1979 that a buddy of mine sent. And it's uh, Don Cherry in a press conference when the Habs came back and beat the Bruins in overtime. Came seven of the Stanley Cup finals. A famous story. The too many men on the ice. Anyway, we'll get to that. But first, here's um, uh, Mike Lindell speaking at a Christian college, and he donated my pillows to everyone in the audience, uh, which he then called prayer pillows. <laughs> Good guy. Mm-hmm. It's so great. And uh, he's on stage. This is Mike Lindell. Was it a, a one of the inner circle? was uh, part of a, a lot of people think he was part of the conspiracy conspiring in the days leading up to January 6th. He was seen going in and out of the White House. So this guy uh, is also, by the way, I don't know if you know this. This is now getting pretty deep for most people, but he is vying to become the head of the Republican National Committee. He there's it's a non-political appointment and he's he's jockeying for this position. Which would be one of the most influential people in the Republican Party. Okay? And, yet, and one thing I will say. What that guy has done, where he came from and what he's done. Oh, yeah. It's what a tragedy good. that he's got this persona. Because it's a great story of accomplishment, coming from nothing, creating this huge company. Just think of his... All his efforts were pushed towards, like, decency and good. And it, it's really tragic that... So much good has turned into this. It's yeah, but I, and I know I just want to be to caution you. What he figured out early was this Christian angle. That's how the, my pillow is always, but I'm just saying it's, he's always leaned on this religious aspect as part of the my pillow grift, because that's what well, it is. I know, but there's probably I, tens of thousands that have tried it and he succeeded. Yeah. So I don't and, know. And, and on a, just a quick other note, I just happen to, I had the TV on from the night before watching the Bills game, which we'll get to. And uh, it was Sunday morning, yesterday morning, and Joel Olstein was on my television speaking into the camera. And it's fast, fascinating to me because it's like, are you kidding me? It's 2022, and this guy is still telling us to that Jesus will take away curses. <laughs> this is one of the things he was saying. He was like, Jesus will lift a curse on your family. If you've had bad luck in your family, then he's going to t- then Jesus. I thought, man, Jesus is going to be very busy doing this. Jesus has got a full day. Anyway, here's my pillow guy uh, leading a prayer uh, at the uh, Christian College. If you got any prayers, Lord, let make these pillows that people take home their prayer pillow that they will lay on them and never forget this night, and they will pray to you, Lord. And ask you into their heart and surrender. Surrender to you, Jesus. And we pray that for the addicts, anybody addicted out there, 
that stories of hope like mine will change the world. And he starts to get a little, he runs country. out of steam here. We pray for peace. We pray for our country. We pray for our, we pray for our state. We pray for our, we just pray, Lord. We reach out to you. Oh, my God. We, we ask for. Our, we now he doesn't know what to pray sins, for. Lord, forgive us and listen to our prayers tonight, Lord. And I want everybody to say a prayer of peace tonight, a prayer on their pillow. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, there you go. So that took place not 100 years ago. That took place on the weekend. Um, and again, I give you, but listen, I'm not disputing that the guy has uh, done well, but he's done well because of this. Mm-hmm. And then I found this quote from uh, a smart guy named Sigmund Freud, who said, religion, so pathetically absurd and infantile that it is humiliating and embarrassing to think that the majority of people will never rise above it. I thought, well, there you go. That's pretty good. So infantile and humiliating. Because there's an entire arena filled with people listening to that guy stumble through and my and the state and praise the Lord Jesus. And they're all going along with it. And it's sort of like, oh, okay, well. It's infantile. I've said that. It's immature. Well, I'll tell you, the Republicans uh, need some work to do because I read a thing on the weekend. Trump's base is not depleting that base. And if he goes into the primaries with that base behind him and there's five or six candidates, he's going to win because all the other votes going to be split. So yeah. they, what they have to do is that if it's Ron DeSantis, they've got to go to all the other ones and say, get the hell out of this. Right. Um. And, and, and as crazy as that is with the NFTs and all the other shit we've seen, what a statement on that country. I mean, really, what a statement that this guy still has life to him. It's, it's yeah. something. That's a great point. If, if after everything you've heard, yeah. we've heard, mm-hmm. and, and the trading cards depicting him as an astronaut and a fighter pilot, if that's not enough for you to go, okay, I've, I think we're done here. Then you get the you get what you deserve, and the thing is, if he does does get the um, become the primary or wins the primaries and becomes the uh, Republican candidate, I got news for you, kids. He's got a pretty good chance of winning again. Yeah, just on the numbers. Yeah, some major major uh, maneuvering that has to be done to prevent this, and uh, indicting indicting him might be a good start. I mean, they well, talk about they talk about unprecedented and, you know, what the political fallout. Well, how about this for political fallout? Get rid of the bastard. How's that? I don't think it's over. Uh, anyway, uh, best, uh, let's we'll talk a little sports now. Do you want to do you want to start? With, are you done with Trump? Or I'm done with Trump. For- oh, no, no. Yeah. But to be honest, I. I didn't know we were going to spend that much time on it, but hey, it is the Humble and Fred show. <laughs> yeah, you still sound like you got a little bit of congestion. Yeah, I do. I do. I I'm do. Sorry. Do you want to do you want to take a second and no. get some tea? My sports spin. I have three things from the weekend that really bugged me about the sports world. But you proceed, and then I'll, I'll lay them out when uh, the time is appropriate. Well, there's no time like the present. What are the What are the three things that bothered you sports wise? Let, let me see if I can guess. Let me see if I can guess. I've known you a long time. 
Uh, the first thing that probably bugged you is what would also bug me if I cared about it, which is this entire World Cup buildup to the final game of the final of this huge thing, billions of dollars spent, is decided in penalty kicks. Am I right? Um, I agree, but that's not my spin. It It's World Cup related. Um, but no, I'd given up on that. I mean, if they haven't, if they haven't figured it out now that in 2022, people don't want that stuff, then, um, what are you going to do? That's the, those are the rules. Well, now those are the rules of the game yeah. and ha- yeah. and that's the game they play. It was sad. Well, it is, but, but, but I'll tell you, it's, it's sad and it's not. It's only sad from our perspective. And I, and I, again, I think it's dweeby, but I also understand that. Just because we don't relate to it doesn't make it wrong. No, I understand that. But, you know, a lot of sports and leagues change the rules over the years. Can you imagine how exciting that would have been yesterday if it was sudden death overtime or sudden death extra time? The first team to score a goal, it's over. But even if a team had scored in that extra time, it continues on. They play full periods or 15-minute periods or 10-minute, whatever they are. But, but wanting it to change because, listen, there's a, I saw something this weekend, a, a billion people-ish or so. 120 Americans, 120 million Americans watch the Super Bowl, a billion worldwide. They say that almost 4 billion people on the planet tuned in at some point. Right. So, again, us wanting it to be different doesn't make it right. It's just, but from our, from our sports lens, it seems a bit dweebish. I know. But let's reset here. That's not the thing that bugged me. What was the thing that bugged you? <laughs> you know, right. well, let's well, take them in order. You don't have to do them yeah. all at once. So let's, what's the World Cup thing that bugged you? Well, I'm on TSN after after the broadcast. I, I tuned it in just, unfortunately, just after France had scored those two late goals to make it 2-2. Um because I spend most of my weekend with the Godfather and things connected to the Godfather. We'll get to that later. Um but after it was all over, the TSN panel, and I don't even know who these guys are, a lot of guys with British accents, Yeah, you know, they were just, it was the greatest final ever, it's the greatest sporting spectacle there ever was, and it was super great. It gets back to what you just, from your perspective, guys, like, okay, I mean, what I saw was just another soccer game, and it was cool, I watched it, and it was okay. But then the one guy says, there's no question now that Lionel Messi is the greatest athlete of all time. He has now surpassed Tiger Woods and Muhammad Ali. And it's like, what the fuck are you talking about? Right. Like, I, like, I understand you're, you're, it, we're right on the heels of this game, right? And to your mind, to a soccer fan's mind, it was the greatest ever. I totally yeah. accept all that, but don't tell me this messy guy is Muhammad Ali. Don't tell me this messy guy plays that game better than Wayne Gretzky played hockey. Sorry, pal. You know, I'm not going to buy it. And the the thing is, that's great for your opinion. And it's very debatable who that person is. But don't go near like Muhammad Ali and even Tiger Woods. It's like, come on. I was going to say, see, I read an article this morning in support of why mess is it. It's it's messy, right? Or messy. Messy. Isn't it? Before I get to this article, it's kind of weird that two of the most prolific, you know, uh, are not prolific. Two of the biggest stars in that sport have basically the same name. 
There's because oh, that Croatian guy, Croatian guy is messy. Whatever. It doesn't matter. OK, I don't know. I read this article and uh, in support of why he's now considered one of the greatest football players of all time. Well, there's no doubt. But let me just finish, though, so that but that's fine. But Muhammad Ali and Tiger and by the way, Tiger more than Gretzky, because n- no one in Thailand knows who Wayne Gretzky is. But people in Thailand, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, no, man, but I'm it's saying not even a measuring stick. Like, no, who knows no, you? No, but worldwide, I'm talking about worldwide right. impact. Right. Wayne Gretzky's got great North American and maybe European impact. But Muhammad Ali, and I'm going to say Tiger, not just because I love Tiger, but it's true. Tiger is a worldwide sports phenomenon. And Lionel Messi may be a soccer-wide sports phenomenon, which is a lot of the planet. But the biggest market here has no idea who the guy was until this weekend. And I'm not, I'm like, I could be overstating that, but he doesn't have Muhammad Ali or Woods kind of global no, I, impact. I, I understand that. But to me, that's not even a measuring stick. I'm talking about playing your sport, regardless of the best in your sport. Know you. Yeah. No, the best athlete. Okay. Regardless of who knows you. And it's like, you know, and it's just my opinion. To me, it would have been, hey, now he, he should have said he's up there with Muhammad Ali. He's up there with Tiger Woods. Oh, but exactly. no, he right. declared that, no, now they're, well, sorry. Okay, I misunderstood. It. So, yes, as an athlete, not as a yeah. global phenomenon. No. Yeah, I could see that. I mean, you know, I can see them saying that, even though I don't know what the guy is. I and mean, there might be a, a debate that he's athletically is as, as good as anyone, but I don't, you know, I don't know that. Oh, I, and I totally agree. And that's my point. You could say he's up there now. Absolutely. Right. But this guy declared that he was. Now, he literally said ahead of Tiger Woods and Muhammad Ali. And it's like, buddy, you're going to regret regret that. And also, you're going to regret it, too. Yeah. <laughs> so, re- um, what was that. the uh, what was the second thing? Uh, let me think. Was the second thing that bothered you something to do with the Buffalo Bills, which I yes. want to get to at some point? Yes. Because, as you know, you and I were. Really unprecedentedly, unprecedentedly, is that a word? We were in it. We were texting one another back and forth during the Bills game. Yes. And by the way, when we get to the Godfather, you know, I said to you on uh, before we left on Thursday, remember, I said, I think you're going to love this, this thing that I recommended you watch. And yes. uh, I, I got a, I actually had a funny text from Fred and all. I'll tell everyone after, but uh, get to the bills. What about the well, bills? That was a perfect storm, right? Because my uh, my condition, my yeah, state allowed me to just lay on a couch and watch this stuff hour after hour. Yeah. Uh, my thing is, it's Bills fans. The ice balls they were throwing Saturday yeah, that was night. ridiculous. No, I was just cringing because it's embarrassing. And then later, you know, I was listening to the post game show. A lot of those ice balls weren't even making it to the field; they were making it to the back of people's heads. Yeah, they were throwing it at the bench of uh, the Dolphins. Well, in the end zone, everything. Yeah. But just think, and then they're showing the crowd, and there's people there with kids. Can you imagine sitting there, taking your kid to a baseball or a, a football game, and then all of a sudden he gets an ice, an ice ball in the back of the head? They like, who stop, are these people? For you people who don't know, they had to stop the uh, Bills-Dolphins game mm-hmm. Saturday night. I think before the end of the, was it in the first half or just in the early? It was middle of the game, anyway. Yes. They had to stop. The mm-hmm. game and let everyone know they weren't going to proceed. At first, it was kind of cute when they would throw balls into the end zone. 
Yes, and, but I never thought about that. And and what I didn't realize was I saw some uh, time lapse video of them clearing the the field and the stands because I guess Buffalo had had some snow last week. They cleared the field and then late mm-hmm. in the game it started snowing again. But the reason there was all these snowballs there is because the stands hadn't quite been cleared, which is weird. Right. Were they actually sitting on snow? Or was there snow at their feet? I couldn't figure that out. Our buddy uh, Ivor Hamilton and John Ellison, our uh, American, one of our American correspondents, were at yes. the game. Were they, they, really? left, they left at halftime. Why? Well, it was too cold. Sort of cold, maybe sitting on ice. And the, the, I guess the crowd was a little out of control, so they went and hunkered down at some bowling alley and watched it. I was going to text you this during the game when we were watching. Isn't it weird? Like I looked out on my front area here on the Queensway. There's no snow. The grounds are bare. There's grass I can see. And yet an hour and 15 minutes from here, it's so different. Yes. Even when it started snowing, I'm like, isn't that weird? There's no snow here. Yeah, it was pretty. um, You're right. It was pretty embarrassing. I was cringing when I saw the kids in the in the in the crowd and I'm just I'm thinking there with being like I'm there with Johnny Slapshot and he's watching the game and all of a sudden an ice ball hits him in the back of the head like fuck man come what on. do you do it's not like you're going to be able to go and you know talk to that person and I heard the post game show some people got hurt like they got hurt like had to go to the hospital well, do you, you know when it's really that packing snow yes. and it's, it was, like, they were like ice balls yeah like cue balls do you want to tell me your third thing, or can we talk about the Bills for a second? You can, and then I'll get to my third thing. Can you give me a hint? What is it? It was about hockey night in Canada. Which is perfect. I'll tell you what. When we get to that, then I will... Uh, whatever, I'll, I'll play you the clip of uh, Cherry back in 1979. It's great. Okay. So I watched that game. It's funny how a few of my friends recently have said, oh, I'm surprised I didn't know you were a Buffalo Bills fan. I go, well, I'm not really a not. I just enjoy, I'm enjoying this team this year for what it is. I, you know, giving me something to do and I like watching it. I'm not a Bills fan. I'm just a fan of this team. And I like Josh Allen and I've gotten to know some of the, the personnel, whatever. They, uh, that was a narrow victory. I was surprised actually because Miami, I think we're eight and five and the Bills going in were nine and three. And I just, for some reason, expected them to have no problem beating Miami for, for no real reason other than I just assumed they would because I like them. Right. And uh, Miami surprised me, especially in those conditions. It was cold and shitty. And and uh, they, they, just, they just narrowly won that game. Your opinion. Oh, my opinion. Uh, as I said, I texted you. Um, the Bills are falling in the power rankings. They're, they're number five or number six now for the Super Bowl, I think. <laughs> Um, there's just something not right there as far as I'm concerned, be it injuries, whatever. Um, you know, Miami had lost two games in a row. And, you know, the Bills, they got to win out and then they'll get the bye and, you know, they'll host the AFC championship if it comes to that. But there's just something not right there. And, uh, didn't they lose a pretty key player? Uh, Vaughn Miller, yes. Yeah. Uh huh. The thing is, what what saves them and what saved them in this game is always Josh Allen. At some point, though, that is going to they made. I thought they made Miami look better than I expected Miami to be. Well, and towards the end, it's like Josh Allen's thinking, "I'm going to do this on my own." He just grabs the ball. All the (laughs) quarterback sneaks. It's like the guy is he. 
every game, I wonder, is this going to be his last game of the season? Yeah, he ran for like 40 yards oh, in one of those plays. Like it was crazy. Yeah, it's, uh, it, you know, and I think of that fumble against Minnesota, because if they had won just, listen, the Bills could eat the three games they lost, they could have easily won. <laughs> That's the aggravating part. The first game against Miami, bad clock management. Minnesota, that fumble in the end zone was brutal, didn't need to happen. They win either of those games, and it doesn't matter if they lose to Cincinnati, you know, two weeks from tonight. Right. If they lose that game in Cincinnati, there's a chance they'll be the third seed, not the first seed. Um, but yeah, it, it was uh, a lot closer than I thought it was going to be. And another thing about watching it is, you know, you're, I, I didn't know. I'm glad you texted me because I didn't know it was the Saturday night game because I had planned to watch right. the, uh, the Tiger and Baby Tiger golf thing yesterday, which I ended up watching. But I was going to tape it and watch the Bills two weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. And, um, but it was a great Saturday night. The only thing is, man, it, I, was, I was tired. It, it ended late. Like it was 11-something, 11 11.30. Oh, yeah. It was going, I was, yeah, 11.45 when it ended. 11.45, that's right. Yeah. And uh, at one point, I texted you, and I said, uh, Josh Allen is, Josh Allen is uh, Michael Corleone. Mm-hmm. But, um, so anyway, uh, yes, what was the third thing? Hockey Night in Canada. Well, you know, and this is emotional, Fred, and people might think I'm out of my mind, but it mm-hmm. just drives me crazy. I've never been much of a fan of Alex Ovechkin. But Saturday night, listening to Kevin Bieksa, Kelly Hrudy, Jen Betterall, I think that's her name, and Ron McLean salivate over Alex Ovechkin made me want to puke. And only from the standpoint, his buddy is killing people, killing children in the Ukraine, and he really hasn't denounced Putin. He may have taken his picture off his, you know, he was on Instagram with uh, Putin and his Facebook with Putin. And listen, I know there's probably a lot to this story, but he's never really had anything to say about it. He hasn't come out against Putin. He hasn't denounced it. And these people are all over him like he's the second coming of whatever. And it just made me ill. And I'm not saying don't recognize the fact that he scored 800 goals and he could eventually beat Gretzky. But like it was sickening to me. They went on and on and on about how great this guy. No, I'm sorry. I refuse to accept it. He's Putin's buddy and Putin is killing children. All right. And that means more than hockey. Say something about it, you prick. Well, they're not going to say something on Hockey Night in Canada. No. A vet can say something. Right. Well, as I said to you the other day when you brought it up, because I didn't know. Uh, any of this because I watch no hockey, but uh, you never know. I mean, you don't know what the circumstances he had to. Maybe he was forced into. You don't know what pictures were there that he they made him. What are you? Why are you shaking your head? Oh no, go ahead. No, I'm just saying you don't know. You don't know if he's actually his buddy. It might just be one of those things where you're the one of the biggest sports stars in Russia. You're basically forced into looking like you're cozying up to this maniacal uh, butcher. You, I mean, I'm just saying, I was giving the guy the benefit of the doubt because you just don't know. No, and that's an argument. It's Russia. But that brings us right back around to the greatest of all time, Muhammad Ali, and why right. I was irked by the first thing. What did Muhammad Ali do? He put, what did he put before the sport? People. Right. He was against Vietnam. Yeah. I have nothing <laughs> against these people. And he sacrificed his sport for people. 
for lies. Again, All I'm saying is, you know, yeah. you don't know the pressure inside of Russia on Ovechkin's family, uh, not appearing to be, right. you know, you I just don't, don't know. I just, uh, but yeah, absolutely. I don't dispute that whatsoever. My point is, all things considered, they don't have to go so over the top with the guy. Again, it gets back to something I said earlier. A lot is said through silence. So don't fucking go crazy over this guy right now. And I don't want him to beat the record either. I want a Canadian to hold that record. Is that wrong? No, so, you know, you can't do anything. I mean, it's like at some point, all records were made to be broken, you know, except for Tigers. Well, maybe I could go to a <laughs> rink once and break his knee. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You could. Uh, who is that? Uh, yeah. Tanya Hardy. Tanya, you could, you could, Tanya Hardy, Alexander Ovechkin. As you're you know, listening, that would be a great idea if you could ever leave the house. <laughs> if yeah. you could ever leave the house again. Uh, before we get to this story, listen to this. Sing during your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard, you know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. All right, do you have any other grievances you want to air, George? No, that was it. Uh, Okay. Now it's just Um, uh, upbeat and bright and positive now. Oh, really? We'll see. Um, I know this story. I need you to give me a little context because I do sort of remember. It's a very famous story that happened in Don Cherry's coaching career. It was the uh, and it's 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 hard. It's easy to understand why he'd be a little bit irked. And you're going to hear the clip in a second. So the Habs, the Habs were down two goals and they come back. And in overtime of Game 7 of the Stanley Cup semifinals in 1979, they were given a too many men on the ice penalty, which is the coach's fault. No, it doesn't matter about the players. You know, we've all played hockey, and you you know who you're replacing. Unless you're, you know, someone gives you another command like, oh, this guy's coming off, but you go, you go take his place. And so, but it, ultimately it's the coach's responsibility. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. You know, at that level of hockey, I'm, you know, how to change lines without the coach telling you, but that's what I just said. Usually yeah. you do, but it, you know, it's a penalty for the team and, and the guy in charge it. of the team. Yep, so absolutely. Yeah. Here's a, here's a bit of a clip. That I will. Uh, it's kind of a pal. This is a little palate cleanser from all the negativity. Is uh, Don Cherry talking to reporters, and uh, you'll and and what he has to say? I think my buddy Grant from uh, New Brunswick sent me this. When's it all going to end? You could just see when it was three one. One little mistake, just waiting, just waiting when it was three one. When's it going to end? I know how Williams feels now. I guess a fellow like Rick Middleton really wanted to play badly against the Rangers. Yeah, well. <laughs> well, if you'd have won, you'd have been playing the Rangers. Yeah, if my aunt had nuts, she'd be my uncle. <laughs> <laughs> Don, you've seen a lot of games in hockey. How would, you, how would you rate this one? You know, a seventh game of the Stanley Cup series? I don't know. I just. You guys will have to rate it. I'm too disappointed. I don't I think it was a horse. We lose like that. I tell you. But uh, that was a tough one, I'll tell you. Whew. I don't think I'll have a much tougher 
Lost in that in overtime, seventh game, going in the finals, boys. What more can happen? What more can happen? I'm telling you. How about a prediction on the play? It's like asking me what I want, Sif or Gonorrhea. Because <laughs> <laughs> he's asking him, what about a prediction in the uh, finals? And that's not that great. What, that's like asking me, what do I want, Sif or Gonorrhea? Isn't that... How times have changed, too. Oh, he yeah. said those things, and they probably really wasn't reported that much, right? Can you imagine no. my coach said that today? Well, well yeah. that, would, that would play out. Anyway, I just thought you'd find that cute. I don't really, I mean, again, I remember the story. I know it's a famous, you know, it's that famous gesture at the beginning of Hockey mm-hmm. Night Canada when he was sort of raising yeah. his arms. and yeah. But I don't really remember it from uh, 1979. Oh, I remember it. Because, you know, me, I... uh, Listen, I hated the Habs before I was out of of a diaper. (laughs) Before uh, before it was cool. Yeah. No, seriously, I remember that vividly. So wanted the... Because everybody loved Cherry back then, and you so wanted that dynasty to dynasty to be uh, crushed or squashed or to end and yeah especially in the 70s halves and they yeah. win like i don't know how many they won in a 10 year mm-hmm. period but a lot oh it was ridiculous like very to the point of not being good for the sport right wasn't it like uh, well, they won like five. The, didn't they win five uh, in a row in the in the seventies? Well, and then prior to the, the the so the the Islanders had a bit of a run. I think it was three or four. You know, and then then just prior to the Oilers winning their Stanley Cups was the Island. Yes, Howard. In right. fact, I think twelve. And this is very loose. Twelve to fifteen year period, only three teams won the Stanley Cup or something. Right. Yeah, it was weird. And again, that those numbers are loose, but. They're very loose, very loose mm-hmm. numbers. Um, and finally, before we finish sports and get ready for uh, your actual bow dog, because it's coming up here in a second. Mm-hmm. Uh, yesterday was the final, you know, PGA sanctioned golf tournament of uh, 2022. It was this sort of used to, it was originally called father son, but now it's opened up to include fathers and daughters and mothers and sons. Uh, Annika Sorenstam played in it with her 11-year-old kid. That's one of the great things about golf is you can have, or especially professional golf, because you can have an 11-year-old kid who is just having the greatest time of his life, this little sweet boy, same age as Johnny, uh, golf shot, playing along with his mother, Annika Sorenstram, for Hmm. most people don't really understand. She won. She's the greatest woman golfer of all time. Ten majors, 80 some odd tournaments. Very close to Tiger. But just seeing the joy on this kid's face. And he's decent enough to hit some shots. And then all the way over to, you know, Justin Thomas playing with his father and Tiger Woods three years ago. Uh, played in this tournament for the first time with his son at that time, who was, I think, 10 or 11, little Charlie. And then seeing now this kid, Charlie Woods, is an amazing golf kid. I mean, he's... And it was fun watching them interact together, but there's a shot of Tiger hugging his kid at the end of the the tournament. And the golf itself was good because it's, you know, some of the best players in the game. But for me, watching it, and I think for a lot of guys that grew up golfing, it so reminds me of me playing with my father and what golfing with your family, father or mother, whatever, 
you know, means to people that play the game. Because you can play this sport so long. Like, I haven't played hockey since I injured my eye and I was 28, 29 years old. But I played golf with my dad six weeks before he died. And so, not to get too uh, emotional or esoteric, but that's really one of the things watching it yesterday. I thought, you know, Tiger Woods' best days are far behind him. Even though in 2019 he won the Masters. Like, those days are never going to come back. But watching him yesterday with this kid of his... Like, I will look forward to this tournament almost, you know, not more than the Masters and such, but it's it, it's a nice way to cap off the year because, you know, the actual scores are secondary to the relationships that you see with these, you know, some of these guys playing yesterday are still at the top of the, of the actual sport. Justin Thomas, um, but seeing Lee Trevino playing with his son. And it was, uh, it was really a sweet event. And again, there's a great picture of Tiger hugging this kid at the end and and he, and he hugged him just like a dad hugs a child. And I'll finish this by saying, you know, it was that, a really good hug. And then he gave him a little kiss on his head. And I just loved it. You know, and it was a couple hours in the afternoon on a cold, wintry day. And, yeah. and it warmed you up. It warmed me right up. Who won it? You know who won it? Uh, Vijay Singh and his oh. son. And and what's cute is that cute. They've played together. This kid of his is thirty three years old, I think. Mm-hmm. VJ's kid, and VJ's fifty nine. And the two of them have been playing in this event. This is their sixteenth time they've played, and this is the first time they've won. And it was just really good. I mean, you know, I'm I'm happy for him, but but it was almost secondary. Like I said, I was obviously tuned in because the Tigers playing, and some of the other guys that I like, Justin Thomas being one of them. But seeing the kids playing was actually more i don't know just i just enjoyed when they kept you know john daly's kid bj singh's kid seeing them hit shots in front of people and also how good these little kids are like charlie woods is never going to be tiger but he's a pretty good golf player that's for sure well you never know he's still formative how old is he he's 13 now well he's got lots of time to become the best ever yeah it's got to be a lot of pressure, you know, if you're like, I don't know what if any of Kretzky's kids played hockey, but and I have no idea what level they achieved. But Tiger Woods kid is already a phenomenal golfer and would almost be better if he wasn't, because when I say this, he's so good compared to like just average people that play. And do you know the point I'm kind of making? It would be, it would be if he was like maybe just did tennis, but also played golf once in a while. Yeah, I often think about that with um, with athletes, actors, anything like that. Like you know, to get, we're going to be talking about a, a, the offer lately, like Tom Hanks' kid. Yeah, so in that thing, it's so good, and it's like somewhere along the line, he wanted to do what Dad does. You know, a lot of high profile actors and whoever, whatever your profession, you know, somewhere along the line, kids don't want any part of what their parents do. Right. Yeah. And then there's the other side that they do. And, uh, you know, it's funny you, know, you mentioned. And how do you and how do you explain that? You know, it's, you know, just to draw a parallel and then get ready for Bodog mm-hmm. and Colin Hanks. Tom's kid, who, by the way. Again, I haven't seen him in a lot of things lately, but he's a lot older than I remember the last time I saw him in anything. He's now like, you know, in his 
30s or early 40s. Yeah, I which think kind of surprised me. Forty-five, Tom. He must have been like twenty when he was born, or something. But the mannerisms, and that's what I want to say. Like watching these kids, almost to yeah. a kid, their mannerisms are so much like their parents. And I'm, I know that seems obvious, but even as golfers, they, the way they stand, the way they swing a club, you know, they. And and I thought of that with Colin Hanks in that series. His mannerisms are very much like his father's. But you, you we wouldn't be, how could you help that, how, help but to absorb that because you're around them so much? Yeah, it's like Walt to Chuck, you know, his two boys, um, you know, Matthew and whatever the other one plays for Ottawa. You know, he's a pretty good hockey player. Both his sons de- decide they want to be hockey players and become great ones. But there's a multitude of other great hockey players who their sons, number one, didn't have the talent or didn't have the interest. Yeah. The point I'm making, you just wonder what that the makeup is, the the mental makeup of a person to to go one way or the other. What is that switch? Yeah, and I just think you know my point about Tiger's kid. It would be better if he just had golf once in a while and yes. had some other interests of his own <clears throat> because, unfortunately for him, and I saw it on the Internet this weekend, <clears throat> excuse me, he's already, you know, people are already not giving him shots, but like a, uh, uh, commenting on his action or his ball speed and things like that. You're, you're, I was like, dude, you're commenting on a 13-year-old child. What? Oh, yeah. Huh. Not, not in a... Like, not in a negative way specifically but in a sort of like why are you what does what? it matter what because i guess some guy in the broadcast mistakenly sort of mentioned how fast charlie woods was swinging and there was this big debate on golf twitter going well there's no way he's swinging that fast i'm like i'm fucking dudes you're talking about it. who cares you're talking about a 13 year old who cares how fast he's swinging it now mm-hmm. you know give the kid a few years to kind of but that's what i mean like he will always no matter how good he gets that's why I wondered about Gretzky's child, because well, there's no way to avoid the comparison. It's not it's not like, listen, you know, if you were, well, Walt Kachuk or some sort of non best player in the game kid, then you, you can have a career like, you know, I was going to say Dan, uh, Bobby Hall's kid, but he was a Brett Hall was a superstar. But you know what I mean? Like better than his dad. Ultimately. Yeah, that's what I mean. But uh-huh. there's lots of examples of kids that went into the sport. Their father was in, you know, the Manning kids. Again, they were they were superstars. Yeah. But and you know quarterback. what I'm At quarterback. Exactly. Um, but I told you that. Well, did you never did you not listen to Gretzky on Smartless? I haven't. Yeah. I'm too busy watching the movies and well, the he, shows. He told that series. I think his son, Ty. Yes. That's his name. Always played baseball. Great ball player. Came to his dad once and said, no, I want to play hockey. And he said, are you are you sure? And he goes, yeah, dad, I want to play hockey. And he goes, well, you can't. You're not going to do it in Southern California. You're going to go up and live with grandma and grandpa in Brantford, or you're going to go to a northern university or something. Anyway, ultimately, he goes to Minnesota or something, some northern university. And immediately he gets that on the ice, guys in his ear, you know. And the the Gretzky, the line he gave was, some guy skates up beside him and goes, "You're not nearly as good as your dad." And Ty looks at the kid and says, "I got news for you. Either are you." Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's great. By the way, Ty, I think yeah. is one of the kids that also is a pretty decent golfer. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he. I've seen some video of him hanging out with his. Uh, I guess would it be his? It's snowing. And the wind his brother-in-law, DJ, what is it? Yeah, so Janet's his sister. No, what's her face is his sister. 
Gretzky's daughter. Yeah, so his brother-in-law. His brother-in-law. Pretty cool if you can go on the driving range with Dustin Johnson. Um, All right, let's talk a little bit about, uh, is it the Monday night game you're going to comment on now? Yeah, it's the Monday night game. Whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker, a casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment uh, from their industry-leading odds, world-class sports book, and feature-rich poker room to their fully loaded casino and race book. They have been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Um, tonight, it's the Pack and the Rams. Green Bay Packers, seven-point pick over the Rams, minus 320 on the Pack. The over-under is 39.5. Bodog, that's where I got those numbers. That's really cool, man. I'm burning with love. do 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 Bottom. You know, you may not remember this because we're both old, um, but for a while, this has come up in uh, conversation. Let me make sure I got the right one here. I had been uh, talking about this Paramount series for some time. Back in the spring, I was thinking, because I remember having this conversation with you about, you know... I don't know if I want to get another streaming service. And uh, you would ask me why. I said, well, because there's there's a show on Paramount called The Offer about the making of The Godfather, my favorite movie of all time. And uh, I know you, maybe it's probably your favorite of all time, too. But I, I don't know if you remember this. Years ago, when we still gave each other Christmas presents, I mean, I know now we get I get a present from your wife, the wonder of bark. But years ago, when we still had um, DVD players, do you remember you gave me the entire Godfather? In fact, the first I think the first DVDs I ever owned were you gave me the Godfather trilogy, right, on DVD because you knew I yes. loved the movie. So I've been telling you about this, and then through the miracle of your son who helped me uh, restart my streaming service, known as Plex. I started watching The Offer, and it's really, it's a 10-part series about the the people behind the scenes, the Francis Ford Coppola, Mario Puzo, who wrote the book, how the actors were cast, the legend of Al Pacino being refused by the studio four times. And the guy who created the series, Albert Ruddy, was one of the... It's basically based on his life. He was the producer. At that time, the sole producer of The Godfather. That's just not done anymore. Like, if you look at a movie now and you see the credits, there's a producer, but there's executive producers. You know, there's dozens of people involved at that level. But in those days, it was just this one guy who was sort of charged in putting it all together. So I sent you a, we talked about it. I think, I think I started watching it. Did we, did I talk to you about it on Thursday or did I just tell you? I think I sent you a note saying, listen, you're going to love this. Yeah, I I can't remember what day. But whatever it was, so I, uh, Dan left here on, uh, Dan and I were going to watch it Thursday night, and I couldn't get it to work, and then Danny helped me out Friday. So I watched it on my computer. I watched two episodes Thursday night. I got up Friday morning, couldn't sleep, so I watched two more episodes. 
and all by I finished the entire series by Saturday morning. Ten episodes, one hour episodes. I haven't done this in a long time. I haven't binge watched anything. And then uh, I get uh, a note from you. At some point, I think you had started it, and you were. I think you mentioned it when you really liked it. You've watched four episodes. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and uh, and then a, a day later, a day later, I get a note from you saying, well, "I've watched the whole thing, and now I'm watching The Godfather again." <laughs> Which, funnily enough, I was thinking I should do that. I haven't seen the movie in a couple years. Yeah, I did. I was just drawn in. It was uh, absolutely fantastic. The offer ten. I watched uh, ten hours, ten episodes, ten one-hour episodes within a twenty-four-hour period. Yeah, I just, It was just one of those things. I the first day I watched five, the second day I watched five, and after I had watched the first five, I wanted to watch the sixth. And I thought, no, this is ridiculous. I'll watch more. <laughs> I'll watch tomorrow, which uh, more tomorrow, which I did. And uh, it's just, just so, so, so good. Yeah, it 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 is like wow, wow. Yeah, there's some great there's there, there's some moments in it that you know if you're a Godfather fan as I am, that you just know there's like again as I mentioned the story of the, they didn't want to cast they wanted to cast James Caan as Michael they wanted to cast really anybody but Al Pacino. The guy that played Al Pacino in this, I thought he was one of the best in terms of acting like the guy who Al Pacino was at that time. Mm-hmm. A young Al Pacino was fantastic, that kid. Mm-hmm. I also knew the story of Bob Evans, who is a very legendary, you know, uh, head of the studio and became a, pr- a producer as well. I just thought everyone was excellent. Now, we'll say this. I thought the last couple of episodes were the weakest of them myself, I felt Jeez, I, that's that's no that's not a takeaway for me. I'm not saying they weren't great. I yeah. just thought that the earlier episodes were more compelling. I thought maybe not the second last, but I thought they the last one was a sort of you know I wasn't it it was great. It just wasn't as great to me as the first sort of five or six. That Albert Ruddy is Canadian. eh? I didn't not that I would know that, but again, whenever I'm watching stuff like that, I start. You know, doing some research, in-hand research. Right. He was born in Montreal. He was born where? In Montreal. And then moved to the United States, but there is a Canadian connection there. And then Bob Evans. He's not the guy that the restaurants are named after, is he? No, he's not. (laughs) Um, Wouldn't you have... I would have loved to have known that guy. Bibby. 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 No, he called everyone uh, Booby. Yeah, Booby. Um, Miles Teller, the guy that plays Albert Ruddy... The producer of The Godfather. Um, you may remember him from a... He was the drum in that drumming movie. Dan, you know what that movie I'm talking about? Yeah. What's it called? Not White. Um, the drumming movie. The drumming really movie. Good. So he's really good. Juno Temple, who played Albert Ruddy's secretary, who wanted to become an agent. She's also from uh, Ted Lasso. Whiplash, by the way. Whiplash, thank you. So this, the Juno was great. The guy that played Robert Evans, Matthew Good, was great. My one of my other favorite characters was Giovanni Giovanni Rabisi, who played the uh, the mob guy Colombo. Like all of that was just it was so well done. I well, I sat there, and the point I was going to make to you is this: this thing I'm watching here, every scene of every episode. 
is good. Yeah. Yeah. And then you, you know, your comments from a couple of minutes before saying the last two weren't as good. That I ne- like, I just, no, I don't know. I just, every scene of every episode to me was just compelling. Just loved it. Do you think, um, and again, I, I'm not saying they were bad. I'm just saying they weren't to me as, as compelling. Do you think it was, very judgy. I, I was so, pardon me. You're very judgy. Come <laughs> <laughs> on. Why don't you give me three more things that aggravated you from the fucking weekend? Yeah, fuck it. Oh, I got a list this long. No, I'm, I just gave you three. I, I was gonna it say, could have been 30. I was going to say only three. Um, I seemed a little bit of a light list since we haven't seen each other since Thursday. I, uh, I think for me, I was so engaged with it. I, and I haven't been like that for so long. As I said to Dan, uh, Fred Dan, that I'd been talking about this series since the spring. I was going to get Paramount just because I wanted to watch this. And, and you did. Mm-hmm. When, when I did. Yes, thank mm-hmm. you. I got it. I got your... Anyway, um, I think for me it was, I was watching a series. And this is what it would be for anyone who likes The Godfather. It's a series about the making of my favorite movie of all time. So if I'm already in and then be, then because early on I caught that it was very well done because, you know, I didn't know what to expect because it could have been a shitty version of that, but it wasn't. It was so good. As you say, every scene right from the beginning, I was engaged because I liked the movie, but right away you're like, wait a minute, this is going to be good. Like there's a scene where they go to Brando's house again, not their first choice for the Godfather. And if you're our age, by the way, they reference so many things, movies we were, you know, the guy that produced The Godfather, you know what he uh, was famous for, Dan, before The Godfather? No. He created Hogan's Heroes. <laughs> okay. Like, <laughs> I love that and, and even that, you know, yeah. even that, they, they showed a scene where he went to pitch the idea of, a, remember, this is the middle 60s. World War II is only 20 years before um, this happened, but he goes into a meeting with the head of CBS television and there's all these people sitting around and he's pitching the idea for a funny movie about a Nazi war camp. So, so he went from there to producing the Godfather. I mean, all that, all those references, but right away, there's this scene where they go to Brando's house and Brando is famously difficult to work with and they have to get a bond to, if he, you know, to make sure he behaves himself on the set. But that scene, Freddie, where they where Francis Ford Coppola has a little Super 8 movie and he's there to film a couple of minutes of Francis as the Godfather. And uh, Brando says something like, you know, I think his voice would be a bit raspy and he would have sort of the persona of a bulldog. So he puts Kleenex in his cheeks. And then there's a scene you just see the this from the back of, of Brando and he's putting black shoe polish in his hair. To, to make him look more Italian. And all you see are the faces of the actors playing the producer and the director. And as they see tra- this transformation of Brando, you're like, he's turning into Don Corleone. Well, that's why I found it compelling. Because every scene has something like that in it. Yeah. And Brando's only like 48. Oh, yeah. So he was playing a man like 68 or 70 something. Yeah, yeah. And they, I was reading about that, too, because I'm thinking, that's odd. He was 48, and the way he looked at 48, I mean, you talk about makeup and creating wrinkles or weathered skin, and again, the Kleenex, which was Brando's idea. Yeah. Um, yeah, all of that stuff was uh, really, really, really interesting. So, yeah, I mean, 
Uh, I'm glad you know that it's, you know it's one of those things where you watch it. I don't know what it is about this idea of binge watching something, but when it's over, you're like, man, I, I wish I wish it wasn't over now. Yeah, I wish I would have taken more time to watch it. Now we talked about Colin Hanks, his character didn't exist, right? What happened? There was so many... Here's another point I want to make. A lot of creative people have to deal with this. We dealt with it sometimes. Mm-hmm. Where bean counters stick their nose into programming. Bean counters stick their nose into creativity. Like they know more than the people that are paid to create. And that character, Barry, I believe, that Colin Hanks, he didn't exist. Apparently, there was half a dozen people like him that they had to deal with, you know, to get Pacino on the set and to get more budget. But rather than having to get six people and make it complicated, they decided, let's just get that faction of people and turn them into one person. And that's the, um, that's yeah. the character that Colin Hanks played. And, um, well, and it was brilliant. But I just, you know, just that aggravation, you know, Francis Ford Coppola and, and, uh, the other guys, the frustration they get from having bean counters tell yeah. them what tell them what's dramatic and what's funny and what's not. It's like, oh my god, shut the, up! One of the best examples of that is toward the end of the movie. They're they're trying to decide on the poster. Oh and yeah, they get, and they get the uh, publicity department of Paramount to you know come in with some mock-ups of the poster. Now the poster, of course, is legendary because it's the cover of the book. And it's dramatic, and it's the picture of the marionette, you know, the whole thing of the pup, you know, all we are like being controlled puppets on a string. Well, the, the, Dan, the, the posters that they suggest are so hokey and so sort of early 70s, you know, you know, gangsters take the cannoli. It's all just sort of cheesy. <laughs> and this Bob Evans guy comes in and goes, listen, and he makes a great point. He goes, it's. We, 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 it needs to be like the cover of the book. The reason is, at that yeah. time, it was the best-selling book of all time. And it makes so much sense. Why would you change that? Because this is a book that has sold more copies than anything other than the Bible. Why would you market it any other way? Well, of course, it makes sense. But if you're, you know, the marketing, you're the, you're the marketing department, so you know what's better. Isn't that funny? The Bible and um, The Godfather. Two bestsellers of all time and both fiction. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> anyway, um, my favorite uh, line. My recommended f- enough. Go ahead. Yes. My favorite line from the movie. I love the character Bob e- Bob Evans. He yeah. Just, well, he was great. I just you just want to be around him when he said Dal that time. Come on, Al. We're going to go out tonight. And Al goes, Nah, I'm not. I'm not up to. He's come on, Al. We're going out tonight. I insist. We're going to go out and we're going to fuck this town in half. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we're going to fuck this town in half. Was so good. And Wasn't course, it? You know, I fucking started laughing, man. And you know, you know, or, you know, like Chappelle said, you know, produced by Jews. You know, we run Hollywood, mm-hmm. but it's true. Albert Ruddy, Jewish. Bob Evans, Jewish. You know, um, the my other favorite character was a head of Gulf and Western. That 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 guy. That uh, what is his name? But he was a real guy. Um. Oh, yeah, uh, Charles Bluthorn. That guy played him great. Yeah. He was an Austrian a billionaire. Just great. Like, the whole thing is great. And uh, Humble and Fred give it, uh, you know, our highest recommendation. 
Does it make you want to watch the Godfather series again? Spend well, another uh, bingeable time? There's nine hours of Freddie did that. You know, well, that's I like, watched one and two yesterday. <laughs> That's it's funny, and and that's why you know great minds think alike. I literally was going to do that Saturday. Yeah, I was going to watch the number one again because I thought this is, and I will. I'm, I'm I don't know if I'll get to two this week, but I will watch one this week. Well, I watched one because I wanted to quickly see it to match it against reference points from the docudrama. You know right. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, there was certain, and then I watched two, but you talk about not being as good Two really didn't do it for me. Yeah. It's not as good. And I'm, I'm going to watch three later this week, no, but no, no, two, don't do that. No one watches three, you know, but two, to <laughs> two me, two is a little awkward and uneven. And yeah, you gave me all three movies. I've only yeah. ever watched in when I still had DVD players. I only ever watched one and two. I'd seen number three, but it's just, to me, it's like. They shouldn't have made it. Okay. Um, we're running really late, Dan. I know you got to go. So, do you want to do news? Are you? Yeah, let's get a go. Mine. Yeah, we're okay. gonna, we got stuff right, down the go here again. I know you got to go. Now, here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hell of a big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes and has for credentials he has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang, so he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low And now live from the Dan Duran Kitchen Studios Where dishes always go in the dishwasher Here, with news and views, is Dan Daru. Elon tweeted out a poll on Twitter yesterday And today, who knows? This is what he said. Should I step down as head of Twitter? I will abide by the results of the poll. Mm-hmm. The poll is closed and the results are 57% point, 57.5% say that yes, he should step down. 42.5 say no. Yeah. And uh, no comment in the early afterglow of the, uh, of the poll. By the way, did you see the reaction from the right wing? They're like, oh, that's all bots. That's all bots. You know, no one wants you to step down. That was all uh, fucking fake accounts. Yeah. Well, I don't want to be a hypocrite through this. It's his company. It's a private company. He can do what the hell he wants with it. Just like we said. uh, Yeah, he can. Of previous ownership. I don't give a shit. But he can do what he wants with it. The only only thing is, uh, you know, and you made this point, you know, if you don't want to participate, then. Yeah. And remove yourself. But that being said, <laughs> that being said, yes. you know, there we're all the the rules of engagement. It's not like a private company that sells, uh, you know, fucking widgets. I know it's a bad. It's a private company that has such huge influence on public, you know, discourse. And uh, like, you know, banning Oberman's account because, you know, like the the rules of it are so arbitrary. Again, it's his he can ban whoever he wants. But I don't know if you knew this, Dan, that uh, or heard this, that he basically is saying you now can't mention any other social media platforms. Yeah. And then he went back on that today. Or yesterday, that's like the thing. yesterday. He, he, he's he's acting, you know, and then yeah, of course he, seemed, he was he's act, the, acting Trumpish, like very he's, much so. He's, he's at the range. World. Yeah. He was in one of the reasons that now the reason he didn't want his private jet tracked is because he went to Qatar to watch the World Cup with Jared Kushner. Like there's this picture of him with a bunch of Qataris and Kushner in a private box. 
So, yes, it's a private company, and he can do whatever he wants, but what he, the influence this private company has is different than if he was just in a... You know, I think there should be a threshold of of some sort uh, when you get certain amount of engagement that there should be different rules for people of uh, like him. And, you know, having one person in charge with such such influence who is unelected on on the population of the planet is kind of, you know, I I think you can make a good case for it not being just a privately owned company, which it is. No, I I know. And I'm going to let Fred do. And I'm just saying, like, so what are you saying? Like what? Like what should they do? Dan? Well, here. No, let me finish, Dan. I've said this to you guys before. Just like public, just like broadcasters have social media, the media part has a responsibility because they're a media. I agree. So the way that you the same way that one guy can't fucking arbitrarily decide the what goes out over the airwaves, there should be some kind of. I don't want to say restrictions, but checks and balances because it's a media company. And, I, right. you know, I totally I totally agree with that. And. It's interesting how this has evolved. Five, six, seven years ago, I would have said, no, leave it alone. But it's, it, it has become such a shithole, such a damaging, um, bad place <laughs> that, yeah, we've come to that. I think we need it now. So when Dan says, and I, that's why I agree with you, Dan, like, and that, cause I've had this conversation with the guys before. It's like Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram. These are me, that's social. It's the media part of the social media. And if the rest of our media, which we've all been part of for our lives, if it has restrictions and you just can't go on there and say, you know, the fucking place is on fire. Um, I think he, I think because of what you said, because of the influence it has on our public. Well, I said it too, but that's why I agree with you, Dan. Like him, he can have, it's his company, do, does what he wants, except for um, what he's doing is uh, destabilizing this social media. No, no, I, I get that. But the only pushback I uh, like, who decides what is social media and what's just social? And yeah, I know. And who can circumvent that? And I don't know. Well, who's Dan? Who decided we had to play 30% CanCon? Who decided we have to have six minutes of foreground? There are, there are rules for our media. So I think there should just be rules for that media too. But there's nobody, there was nobody programming stations from their mother's basement. That's the problem. That's true. I know. And there was no one person that owned all of radio. This is it. Yeah. <laughs> and everybody oh, didn't. Yeah. You didn't listen to you didn't have a favorite radio station and actually get to from your mother's basement change some stuff about it. So yeah. no, that's it's right. a whole different world. And and you know, in this unique world we live in, I mean, Facebook's owned by a guy, Twitter is owned by a guy, uh Facebook owns Instagram. Uh you know, it's uh, this is un, you know we're in unprecedented times. Yeah, well they have to redefine the the rules of the road. Just like a chemical company, this is a point that Darren made the other day when I was talking to him. He said a chemical company uh, can't go out and pollute the world. That they they there's responsibilities. Uh, right. For, they can't that that creates public harm. Same thing is happening here. Is there's 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 harm. That's a no. That's, that's a, a good and, analogy. It is. It is, it is. And, and mm-hmm. it does create public harm. Yes, and it again, does. I said this to you guys a long time ago. If it's media. It needs to be regulated like our fucking media has been. The difference is our media isn't owned by one individual. And that's uh, we're in a, we're in, in different waters now. It's, it's dangerous and it's, you know, unique. It's a, what a great and wonderful tool it is or can be. 
you know, people, people have got involved and look what it's turned into. It's sad. Daniel, do you have any more news for us today? Yes, I do. All right. And now with more breaking news, live from the kitchen studios, mere feet from where I'm broadcasting from. Right time. next to the dishwasher. Next to the dishwasher. Just in case you didn't know, that's where the dishes go. <laughs> <laughs> dishes in the dishwasher. Not in the same. Uh, Dandaran! Yes, songs are getting shorter. Uh, 2000, this came from uh, Billboard magazine. A 2018 study found that since 2000, the Billboard Hot 100 songs have trended down from four minutes and 10 seconds to three minutes and 30 seconds and in 2021 last year the top 50 tracks on the billboard year end hot 100 averaged three minutes and seven seconds now that's not really unfounded it, it, they were like in the 60s the songs were uh, you know am radio and they the 60s songs were two to three minutes long back then but then they got a lot longer during the uh, fm radio days and uh, I thought that was interesting. And one of the things that it's it's they they say the reason the songs are getting shorter is to do with TikTok, perhaps because mm-hmm. people want shorter songs, but also um, people musicians are acutely aware of skip rates. So if you don't listen to the entire song in the streaming service, it's different than uh, like if you skip. Yeah, I guess it's a different rating of how they track it or whatever as if they listen to the whole thing and then maybe they would play it over and over and over again if it's short so anyway it's interesting not surprised well it buys into that whole bite-sized pieces thing that we're dealing with now right short attention spans short attention span um yeah you know it's i can't remember what station i was listening to maybe in the states yeah it was in the states because i was driving to the golf course one day and having played a lot of these songs i know that there's a, a they've done this in the states on several formats where they shorten songs yes so they take songs they just basically play intro uh verse chorus verse and then they sort of and then you're out of it like i i was quite obvious especially if you've like the three of us you know spent your life playing those tunes so not only are their songs being recorded shorter but formatically they're trying to squeeze in more of them because all people really want like short attention spans is they just want the good shit and then move on mm-hmm. yes um all right we got to move on ourselves thanks uh, very much to everyone dan duran and, by the way uh, i did i did th- i thought i'd throw this in there as an old cfny reference well, it's a new CFNY reference at CBC Radio yesterday. Dave Grohl's doing his uh, Hanukkah sessions, uh, 2022, with uh, um, uh, another guy, his producer, a producer, Greg Kirsten. And uh, this is what they uh, played on CBC Radio last night. Okay, this one might surprise you. You used to call me on my... Yes, that is Dave Grohl singing Drake's Hotline Bling. This year, they've taken the Hanukkah sessions up another notch, recording a live version in L.A. with profits going to the Anti-Defamation League. It features Jewish stars like Pink, Beck, and Jack Black, who helped perform a cover of another famous Canadian song with Jewish connections, The Spirit of Radio by Rush. Sung, of course, by Getty Lee, who is the son of Holocaust survivors. 
The Spirit of Radio was inspired by Toronto radio station CFNY as it existed in the late 70s and 80s, an eclectic, free-form home for alternative music, according to our producer Lee Carter, who worked there then. So in the spirit of radio and CFNY and Hanukkah, we'll leave you with a little more from Rush. This has been the Capsule Edition. Oh, there you go. That's very really cool, Dan. Great job. Great reporting from Dan Duran this morning. Mm-hmm. Gathering uh, sound bites from around the world. Oh, that was great. Lee Carter. Uh, I worked with him. Did you, Howard? Was he around? Uh, when you he might have been around just at the... His, he was finishing up just as I got there. Him and uh, David Hind and then those of that crew. All around, in Now Magazine, um, Lee Carter wrote an article about CFNY when there was some of the transition. And I'm, I remember he pissed me off because he took some shots at Stuart Myers. Uh, and it bugged me because I liked yeah, Stuart. Well, and I thought they were unfair. Wanted, do you want to add that to your list? No, I do. Videos? I'll add that right now. <laughs> That's That's when Stuart first came, he came from rock radio and apparently was wearing a, like a Springsteen jacket or something and walked into CFNY like that was blasphemy or something. Oh, yeah. It's terrible. But anyway, um, and further to Getty Lee, uh, Spirit of Radio, CFNY, the CFNY documentary, which has been in the works for some time, is going to uh, continue filming in the next couple of weeks. Howard and I are going to be part of a segment. Are we? Yes, we are. You had agreed. Yeah, but I don't know when. When is this happening? I know. Well, I haven't got the day exactly, okay. but it's before we go away. All right. So that's exciting. It is exciting. And I, not to give too much away, Getty Lee, ZFNY, Spirit of Radio, there's something along those lines as well. Very cool. Uh, cool, me- man. Okay. Uh, we've run out of time for all you. Maybe save some of your grievances for tomorrow, Joe. <laughs> uh, running out of tomorrow, Lumbee's on the show. Uh, Wednesday, one of our, you know, one of our old favorites used to come on all the time. Dr. Uchi Odi Atu will be here talking about, uh, end of the year fitness. Uh, Wednesday, Sherpa as well. Um, it's going to be busy Wednesday and we're going to try and squeeze in, uh, emails for Wednesday because Thursday it's just the humble and Fred final show of the year slash Christmas spectac. Uh, but before we do that, Freddie, why don't you just update us on what's happening with the Chamber Plan? Well, let's go with the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. Yeah, Canada's leading group benefits plan for small businesses, say to, uh, you know, one to 100 employees. Go to chamberplan.ca today, get a free quote, find out about all the things they can offer you as a small business and how your people can have the security of a benefits package that includes prescriptions and dentals and therapies, an HR component, and the travel insurance, which we've been talking a lot about lately, uh, that Brett Tanner was talking about on the show the other day. All very important stuff, all doable for a small business, very affordable. Chamberplan.ca. Yeah, this has been fun. Uh, I don't know. Did we mention how much we like the offer? Anyway, uh, enjoy the rest of your uh, day. And here to say, you know, what he does uh, so long, here's Don DeRue. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Bodog, the retirement Sherpa, the Chamber's Plan, GoDaddy, Aaron Ventures, EVNet.ca, and our newest sponsor, Kelsey's, Canada's original roadhouse since 1978. We read all of our emails, even those with advice. 
Hubble and Fred, HubbleandFredRadio.com. That's Hubble and Fred at HubbleandFredRadio.com. Liking and subscribing helps us out, helps out the show because we hand count them all and tell our advertisers. <laughs> For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and remember, like the second candle on the menorah tonight, and there's only five shopping days left till Christmas. Mm. Up the road from the habitations of the towns we know, a place we saw the lights turn low, the jigsaw jazz in the get fresh flow, pulling out jobs and jamboree hands. Two turntables and a microphone Bottles and cans and just clap your hands Or just clap your hands Where's that?